I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theater writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Uphoff Gray, founder and artistic director of Forward Theatre Company, and this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 77 of Theatre Forward. Great to be here. Yeah, good. So in this episode, taking our, our you know, purpose or our, our goals with this podcast very literally, we're going to talk about insight into something we're doing here at our own company in the context of what I think our colleagues are uh, going through all over the country. And that is the process of selecting our slate for our 2022 to 2023 season and talking not only about what plays we did choose to produce, but also the kinds of things that we thought about in making those choices. So um, why don't we just start by talking about each of these four plays? We do a four play uh, main stage season, and then we can go from there into a discussion of why this slate, why this combination of stories at this particular time. So. Julie, do you want to kick us off with the our show for September? Sure. We start off with The Wanderers by Anna Ziegler. Uh, it's about marriage. Uh, follows two different couples uh, with an umbrella of Orthodox Judaism. It is beautiful, lyrical, harsh, and real in the same way that marriage is. Yeah. And I will say that... Um, in our process of picking plays from literary committee to our advisory company, this was one of the few plays that I can say that our entire advisory company said yes. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting to start off the season with this beautiful play. Yeah. And it's, it's such a gorgeous piece. And um because of the pandemic, I think we're going to be one of the earlier companies producing it. It was supposed to be done by Roundabout Theater in New York in 2020. It's been postponed to spring of 2023, um, which is after our production. And I I think once it has that New York production, it's gonna get done all over the place. We're not the first by any means, but I, but it, this is an early production. It doesn't have a long um, stage history yet, but it's, it's just so beautiful. Uh, I really can't wait. I think the audience is gonna embrace it. I mean, you know, Ziegler started as a poet and it's no surprise um, when you read her, her stuff. I mean, and it's not as though she's an unknown name. I mean, she's been writing for a while, but she's still early mid career, I guess, is the place where mm-hmm. I would put her. And I still think even though she is now somebody whose name people recognize, not yet even close to reaching the the pinnacles, both in terms of renown and in terms of what she will do, um, that you're starting to see in a gorgeous play like this. Um, I have not yet seen, I can hardly wait to see before it closes. Um, you know, Renaissance with Julie, I think, you know, you, you know, Ziegler's work well from there is, mm-hmm. is in the midst as we're recording this, it will be done by the time it drops of, of doing a second Ziegler play actually, um, which is, you know, typical of the kinds of things she does. And, and it's true of the play we're doing. I mean, sort of gnarly, complicated, conflicted understanding of how relationships work and how difficult um, they can be, but ultimately with a very, I would say, uplifting um, message, a hopeful message uh, about what we can build together as people. It's a great post-pandemic play too, for those reasons, because it's about overcoming and dealing with uh, loneliness. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm so thrilled that we've got that piece locked in to open our season. Um, and for our second slot, I want to talk about this one because it's the <laughs> one I, I'm just so excited about this play. Um, our November show is going to be Feeding Beatrice by Kristen Greenwich. And it is um, I, we've never done anything like it. I got goose pimples on my flesh the first time I read it. Um, And not just because its subtitle is a gothic tale and it'll be the first sort of ghost story that we've done here at Forward, but because of how excited I was by um, the characters and what the play is grappling with. Uh, My best possible um, sort of pitch for it was actually um, stated by one of our advisory company members, Quan Berry, who wrote our most recent play, Metalenian Debate. She read this play and when we were discussing it, she said, it's like Get Out meets Beloved meets A Raisin in the Sun. And who doesn't want to see that play? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i so thrilled about it. And it's, it takes me back because I think Greenwich is a playwright that, that really more people should know about because she's been writing really exciting work for a long time now. And in this time in our in American theater, where I think there is a justified but way overdue uh, attention being paid to Black American women playwrights, um, I think that she really belongs in those discussions. I remember first encountering her work back in. I think 2006, 2007, when I had just returned to Madison from New York and um, I was working with the Madison Repertory Theater, which was the sort of predecessor regional company here before we started forward. And um, one of Kirsten's plays, The Curious Walk of the Salamander, was in that new work festival at the Rep that I um, was the line producer on. And I just remember thinking, oh, this writer, I get this writer. I love what she's um what she's doing here. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, 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 an exciting, funny, complicated horror story in a way about a 30 something black couple, uh, contemporary, uh, who, um, purchase a fixer upper house in a very nice white neighborhood. And, um, soon encounter some difficulties with the house and with a young white teenager who starts showing up and hanging out with them. Um, yeah, I, I, I could go on and on. I won't, but I am just thrilled that we are going to be doing this play, featuring this writer, bringing some of our favorite actors back to forward to, um, to star in it. Uh, 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 yeah. Can't wait. I, Listeners. Oh, go ahead, Julie. Go ahead. I, I, I was going to say that, um, Forward always has a community partner or there's a community um, uh, outreach that we do for each each of our productions. I'm especially excited about this one. We're going to be doing panel discussions about redlining in the state and uh, in Madison in particular and the um, inequity of home ownership for African-Americans versus white. We're also going to be doing a panel discussion about the genre of African-American horror and and uh, something about Raisin in the Sun. Um, those are have not been cemented, but that this play 
we we had to narrow down our panel discussion focus because there are so many wonderful things that we can take out into the world based on this play. I, I mean, I can't add to what Jen and and Quan who perfectly summarized what this <laughs> yes. what's going on in this play have already said. But I will tell you, listeners who cannot see it right now, the always charismatic Jen Gray <laughs> is as close to incandescent <laughs> as I have ever seen her. And I have seen her get excited about a lot of plays in my time with Forward. And she is clearly just 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 trying to burst out of her skin right now with joy and excitement. And that is where she has been with this play since the very first time we discussed it. It raises so many big issues and it is going to be truly exciting to see what we do with it on our stage. Yeah. I can't wait. Well, Mike, tell us about our, our winter slot show. Cause I know this time is one for- you're so yeah, excited. The one that was again. met with cheers, cheers. When we, when we picked this play. Oh, I mean, I, I saw, this is Airness uh, by Chelsea Markenthal. Uh, and when I walked out of its world premiere at Humana in 2017, I was on the phone, literally I, within three minutes to artistic directors in the state of Wisconsin saying, you must do this play. Airness refers to, bear with me, an air guitar competition. And if you think air guitar is, is, you know, what you do on your bed when you're 12 years old, sort of jumping up and down to the sound of the Ramones, all right, I'm dating myself. That's <laughs> true, but there's so much more. It is a real skill. And coming up with what it means to achieve airness, that state of nirvana, where you hit the perfect performance is not only true of the competition that will go on among different people in this play, um, but it's true of theater and every actor's attempt in every single performance to achieve that nirvana that they never quite are able to reach. It is true of all of us in every walk of our life where we're striving every day toward that moment of perfection where we can live completely in in the moment itself and lose sense of everything around us. So it's a beautiful metaphor for a lot of things. It is filled with joy. Um, It is also filled with what it means to be loving and tolerant in a world that is increasingly divided and hateful. And so, and and it's going to be coming to us as spring is approaching in Wisconsin. And it's going to be directed by one of the most joyful, amazing people I know, Molly Rohde, who is just such an awesome director and human being. I mean, what is there not to like about putting all of that together? It is, it will be, I guarantee you, money back on my dime, if you disagree, <laughs> one of the most joyful experiences you will ever have in a theater anywhere in your entire life. I just love that, you know, we've been working on the casting and you go through the cast list and the character names are Shreddy Eddie and Facebender and Golden Thunder and D Vicious, you know, Cannibal (laughs) Queen. Cannibal Cannibal Queen Queen is one of my favorites, you know, so um, and who doesn't need that in the in the thick of the winter months? Who doesn't need that after the last couple of years that we've had? Um, it's yeah, we, it's going to be terrific, uh, terrific fun and and lots of heart. Uh, and and I'm thrilled about that. Um, and then, you know, metaphorical drum roll, please. Uh, we will close out the season 
with the world premiere of a play that we have commissioned. It's Forward's second ever commissioned play, our fourth world premiere on our main stage, but our second commission. Um, and, you know, for those who listened to the last episode of this podcast, we've already talked quite a bit about World Premiere Wisconsin um, and this uh festival of new work that's going to be happening all across our state in the spring of 2023. And with that festival having kind of been our brainchild and, and something we're super passionate and motivated about, we really wanted to make sure that the world premiere we put on our stage was um, as sort of big and exciting as we feel about the festival as a whole. And so we uh, reached out to uh, one of our favorite playwrights as the listeners uh, no, Lauren Gunderson. Um, and we have commissioned a new play from her. It's called Artemisia. It's about the life of the uh, Baroque Italian painter Artemisia Gentileschi. It is. We've already you know, gotten those sort of first drafts. We'll be workshopping it later this spring. It is already so spot on full of all the things that make me love Lauren Gunderson plays, history, art, totally badass women, humor, romance, sex, conflict, ugh, all, all of those <laughs> things. Um, having Lauren here in Madison back with us again to, to really work on um, the development of this piece is, is a thrill. Um, we're going to be partnering with the uh, one of the local art museums that's bringing in one of Artemisia's paintings to have on display during the run of our show, um, which is a, a huge, rare uh, gift for the community. Um, it's, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty excited about it. Well, one of the things that I loved, if anybody follows Lauren's um, uh, Twitter feed, she actually chronicled this play and the writing of this play starting with, you know, I, I got commissioned with to do this play. Now I've got to do research and history. And, and for those of us who knew which play she was talking about, that was my, my daily fix was to quickly get on Twitter and find out where, you know, where Lauren is in the process. Yeah. If you go back to her thread in January, because, you know, she and I have been talking about this play for a couple of years now and talking through what its elements would be and cast size and all that. But she sat down to actually put it on paper. Well, metaphorical paper uh, in January and, uh, in, in one of the shows of generosity, that is one of the reasons that we love her so much. She, yeah, she live tweeted the process and like, oh, now I'm going to write this next scene. And I feel like it's time to introduce a new character and really allowing other playwrights and theater lovers to see inside her thought process in constructing a new play. Um, so yeah, if you, if you go back and sort of track her in, in mid January, you can see her process in writing the first draft of, of Artemisia and, uh, and you can come to Madison and uh, see the actual play next spring. I mean, I'll sign everything Jen said about the, I've, I've just seen the first uh, draft as well at this point, but I mean, really amazing uh, play in all the ways that, that she said what always just both awes and, and leaves me in awe and inspires me about Lauren Gunderson is her ability to get so much of a life story or so much history into a play without ever making you feel like you're watching a history lesson. You're, you're in the theater having fun, having a great theatrical experience and somebody that really understands what theatrical means. And yet you're also learning a ton about this incredibly 
amazing artist, an extraordinary woman who I will confess I knew next to nothing about uh, until I knew that Lauren was going to be writing on this topic. And I think it will inspire those of you who come see this play to want to learn more about her, as Lauren regularly inspires me to want to learn more about the many amazing women she's written about. But if you will take it on faith in a season of plays, which is all about taking it on faith, you can check out a whole exhibit of work uh, by Artemisia, which is on now at the Detroit Institute of Arts and will be for another couple of months, not a long road trip, definitely going to be something I'm looking forward to doing this, this spring. Maybe I'll see you there. And then you will have that much more coming your way in rich rewards as you watch Lauren put this thing on and say, wow, how did she capture so much of this person's <laughs> life in a play that's of an economical size and is just so much damn fun? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so those are the plays. Those are the four main stage shows that we're going to be doing. And um, now they'll just talk a little bit about our, our process of, of getting to this final slate, because there were certain things that got locked in early. We knew we were doing Artemisia. We've known that for several years. So that was the one constant. Um, and I do think that the next thing that got plugged in was the Wanderers. Um, but there was a lot of back and forth about those other two slots and decisions that had to be made. And one thing that we did preparing for the season uh, that we don't typically do, and COVID was a big factor in this, is I actually put together two proposed slates, this one and one that um, was frankly more economical, smaller cast plays, plays with um, smaller production budget needs. Right. Um, and uh, because I, I I really felt strongly that this slate, the one we just told you about was the right one. I, you know, I really do believe that as we move hopefully through the the waning of this pandemic, I'll knock on wood, um, over the next year, we want to be giving audiences a reason to come back in person and reminding them of all the things that they love about sitting in their seats in the theater with their community. And, and so to lean hard into a season of plays that really exemplify the joys of live communal theater. Um, some of the other plays we were considering that were wonderful were more the kind of things you could just watch a streamed version online and you would be missing something, but you wouldn't be missing as much as you would with this slate of plays. And um, so I, I really believed that, but I also knew that it meant taking a big financial risk at a time when things are, you know, financially a little bit perilous for theaters across the country. I mean, we've we've been doing okay at Forward, in part because we have loyal subscribers, in part because we did produce full seasons, even if they were, you know, online for a year and hybrid for this this current season. Um, because there has been government support over the last two years that I have, you know, no hope or expectation will continue. Um, but audiences are smaller. They are smaller. Um, they're smaller for us. They're smaller for just about everybody. And to be sustainable long-term, we need to get back to where we were. And it may take a couple of years. Um, that's okay. Like I, we understand all the reasons for, for this situation, but, um, but that, that's why we put together those two different slates because we wanted our board and our staff and our advisory company of artists, all of whom play a role in setting the season to understand that we were taking a risk um, with the hope of 
you know, a greater reward potential, but that, but that it was a risk and not one that we had to take. Um, Julie, I don't know if you want to talk more about that. Uh, it, it was certainly of consideration. And um, you just mentioning that, Jen, uh, was reminding me of our conversation in the office when we were talking about what, do we have a theme? Is there a theme in this season? And and certainly the feel of come back, <laughs> um, we're, we're still here. We feel that, but we've always been here. We didn't go away. We continued seasons. People are coming back. Um, just as you said, not in as a big a number, but I am hopeful that we will, the trend is that, that more and more and more people will be buying tickets, feel comfortable to come back to the theater. But we didn't want to apologize. We wanted to just jump. And we settled on forward, exclamation <laughs> point. And that is exactly how I feel about this season. It's big, it's bold. We want people back. You need to come and, and communally experience every one of these shows. And it is so exciting for me. I love every one of these plays and I love them for different reasons, but everyone is unique and exciting. You know, all four of these plays are haunted by the past, um, by all that we inherit, by the ways in which that keeps us down by how hard it is with that to move forward. Things we can certainly, Julie, to your point, experience. And all four of these plays in different ways are asking the question, how do I make the leap of faith that allows me to commit to the future? What does that future look like? How am I gonna reinvent the paradigms that have told me who I have to be in the world from which I came so that I can build with others a world of the kind I wanna live in and love in going forward? going forward. And that is, so you see that both thematically in terms of all four plays, and you see that in the resounding, and not because it, was a, it wasn't an easy pick. I mean, both of Jen's slates were excellent slates, as she said, but there was a resounding, overwhelming commitment on the part of the advisory company, on the part of the staff, on the part of the board, toward the slate we actually picked without any engineering by anybody. It just naturally happened. And it reflected an organization that is in sync with what Jen and Julie have been saying about moving forward as a theater company, but also completely in sync and down with what these four plays themselves are trying to say about our possibilities of making a better world. And I just, I love that. And it's, it, you know, one of the things that we talked about a lot, less related to the specifics of these four stories and more to the decision to do this bigger season. Obviously a big part was the, the calculated gamble that, that a more exciting, bolder season would be more likely to bring audiences back, but also just, you know, going back to the touchstone we've had throughout this, well, not just throughout the pandemic since our founding 13 years ago, but our mission, we're a nonprofit and our mission is creating a home base for Wisconsin theater professionals and audiences and our Wisconsin theater professionals are still hurting from two seasons of less work than there usually has been of a lot of canceled contracts of a lot of questioning whether they can continue in this field and doing a season where we get to hire more artists right now felt really mission driven 
um, and necessary. So that, that was part of it too. And I, and I love that it wasn't just the artists who signed on with that, but the board as well. Um, and believing so deeply in the fact that we are a nonprofit with a mission and a community service organization. Yeah. So that, that made me feel. Jen, we don't, we don't, um, bring up the board nearly enough. We, Mm -hmm. we talk to the board when we, uh, presented the budget and said, yeah, this is big. Here, here are the reasons why. And every one of them unanimously said, yep, go. And that's a gift as well. Yeah. Dare I say, of course I will say, this is an organization in this season and in what you're just hearing that is doing its best to achieve fairness. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, one, one other thing I think we should um, mention that is uh, something that's giving us great joy uh, as we look at this season and was completely unplanned. It was not a goal that we set out to achieve, um, but all of these plays are written by women. Yeah. And that wasn't, we didn't even realize that until you know, it was like we were, it was chosen. And then we went, oh my gosh, this is all, these are all women, which is a testament to the plays we're reading. We picked, we picked four shows that we loved that um, are uh, cohesive in um, their season and their messaging. And we didn't actively say we're going to do women playwrights. It is um, a direct result I think of the literary committee being challenged to read many plays from all over the country with particular attention to um, diverse stories. Um, and, And this is what we get then without trying in many ways. And that feels, um, that feels pretty great that we were able to achieve this without actively pursuing it. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's a message to the world out there in another place where theater, I think, could potentially lead the way. But it's a message to corporate America. You know, it's like diversity is not just this thing where you have to check off a box. Um, If you actively seek and search for and are imaginative enough about not choosing the same old, same old, if you if you search and you're recruiting for for BIPOC and um, non-binary and female uh, candidates, then naturally you are going to end up with more people of those from those kinds of backgrounds among those who you want as finalists, who are truly the best because they are the best. You've only not seen it because you're not looking in the right places. So yeah, we chose the four best plays. There is no question. And I'm with Julie, one of those who read the scores and scores of plays the literary committee reads. But if you read all those other plays to start with, that's just naturally going to happen because newsflash, water is wet. Newsflash, BIPOC (laughs) and female playwrights are doing some of the best work in America right now. Yay. 
Yay. Well, I think that we've used the word exciting a lot (laughs) Um, um, uh, and and big and bold and and all of that. And so I think that's probably uh, before we use those words anymore, (laughs) we will say that that is it for this episode. Well, Jen, that's exciting and big and bold of you. Oh, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest and America. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jen Uphoff Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, and you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter at Theater Forward. As always, part of that forward revolution, theater is spelled with an E-R, and ain't that exciting. (laughs) (laughs) And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. And please leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. We're so grateful to have you listening and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.